Did you know that the perfect snack exists that not only has the yum factor, because that's important, but also packs a real protein punch? I'm talking about Wonderful Pistachios, a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Now that's a snack you can feel really good about. It's hard for me to currently pick a fave because they have several flavors to choose from, including no salt and jalapeno lime options. But if I absolutely had to, I'd say I'm in my no shells, wonderful pistachios, sea salt and vinegar era. It's the ultimate snacking solution for when you need a quick, convenient and tasty boost of pistachio goodness straight out of the bag. Whether you enjoy the ritual of cracking open each nut or you lean towards the ease of no shells, Wonderful Pistachios has something for everyone. It's time to elevate your snacking game with Wonderful Pistachios. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Your girl is a homebody, so one of the best parts of the day for me is when I can come home, put on my comfy pajamas, get snuggled up on the couch, and enjoy something to drink while catching up on a TV show. The thing is, though, that I don't want to drink wine all the time because, though I love it, I'm no longer a huge wine drinker like I was back in the day. I have morning headaches and even inflammation to thank for that. So to help fill that gap, I've been enjoying Recess Mood as a guilt-free way to unwind. Recess Mood really is a vibe, y'all. There are only 20 calories per serving, no added sugar, and it's infused with stuff I like, including mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing adaptogens, which really helps me to relax after a high-energy day. Recess Mood has four delicious flavors to choose from. My personal fave is Strawberry Rose. If one of your goals in 2024 is to drink less alcohol, this is the way. Give Recess Mood a try today and see how relaxed it helps you feel. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com forward slash self-care and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Hey, hey, what's going on? You are listening to the Brown Girl Self-Care Podcast. My name is Bree Mitchell, and I am the host of the show, as well as the founder of Brown Girls Self-Care, an online safe space for Black women where we get to where the healing resides, the joy resides, the abundance and peace resides. I'm also a self-care coach for Black women, and um, of course, unless I already said this, I am the host of, of this podcast. Today, I want to talk about, and I I really don't have any other way to say this, so off the bat, excuse me, off the bat, I want to say that this episode is definitely not going to be PC, but today I want to talk about where I am in my self-care journey in regards to decentering whiteness, and my hope is that I can give you food for thought as you continue to embrace a lifestyle of self-care. Maybe explore some ways that you can continue to or even begin to decenter whiteness. So again, this is not going to be a PC episode. I may actually say a cuss word or seven. I'm just letting you know that off the bat as we move forward. This is unscripted, of course, as most of my episodes tend to be. But again, since I am talking about a topic that is very crucial to to the well-being of black women, which is my priority, this conversation is just going to be what it is. So if you feel like 
a non-PC episode may not be up your alley, then I want to invite you to maybe skip back to a previous episode that more suits where you are today or how you're feeling, or even maybe just skip this episode entirely. So let's go ahead and get into it, all right? So, um, you know, I... First of all, let me go back and say, I I really don't feel that all of my episodes are PC, but y'all, I'm going to keep it real with you. The further I go into this embracing of, of a lifestyle that has a firm and solid foundation of self-care and self-love and confidence and self-worth and and all those things that are important to us as we continue to thrive and and move out of this place of struggle right because struggle is not our birthright period um I just learn so much and I share that here on the show so what you hear on the episodes really is just me sharing my heart. And sometimes I'll have silly moments. Of course, if you've been rolling with me for a while, you know this. I think just in the last episode alone, I sang uh, Slim Shady or something like that. (laughs) But there are going to be times where the conversation may not be as fluffy or as light because I'm, I'm really how can I say it? It's not that I wasn't, or that I'm not, or wasn't serious about self-care before. How about this? The more you learn, the more you're, you, 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 it just changes you. Does that make sense? You know, that saying, when you know better, you do better. Well, I feel like I was already doing well as far as doing my best to share things, but what I'm trying to express is that the more you, go down the rabbit hole. I don't even really like using that expression when I'm talking about this specific topic, but the more you go down the rabbit hole and the more you uncover, the more you learn, um, the more your eyes are open. It's kind of like Neo taking the red pill or the blue pill. You follow? Can't recall which pill he took off the top of my head. Maybe the red one? But once he took that pill, he was no longer in the matrix or like You know what I'm saying? Like he was no longer in the matrix or maybe actually he did go into the matrix. Oh gosh, (laughs) maybe I need to watch the matrix again. It's been, it's been a minute, but y'all know, you, you know what I'm talking about. All right. I ain't never said I was always the most accurate queen on the planet, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, and that's where I am. That's, that's where I am. So the conversations, you know, sometimes the, the mood changes a little bit. The, conversa- the conversations shift a little bit. We, we, you know, we have more in-depth and realer conversations, and that's what this is going to be today. So I want to talk about how I am learning to decenter whiteness and white supremacy in my life, in, in, in my self-care habits, in my self-care routines, in, in the way that I prioritize myself, in the conversations that I have, like all of that make up who I am, okay? So I will just tell you that, um, you know, if, if I forgot to say it initially, if you can, girl, go ahead and sit down somewhere, light a candle, make a cup of tea, get your water, Get your journal. Maybe you'll have some ahas that you want to write down as 
I say we have this conversation, but I know it's literally just me talking to <laughs> to you. But as we have this conversation, you might have some thoughts of your own. And I do want to make it very clear that I am I am still learning, as we all are. I'm a life learner. And we may be at different levels. You may know absolutely absolutely more than I know on a certain thing in regards to self-care. You may know less than what I know in regards to self-care. The point is, we're having this conversation for us, right? And we're learning and exploring and understanding ways that we can liberate ourselves. And, and that ultimately is what is going to help bring about the changes that we want and need to see in our lives, Right? So that, again, is why I want to talk about decentering whiteness, because I realized that for a very long time, like I I felt like and, and this makes complete sense, right, that white was always right. White was always right. And there were so many things that I did. Um, and I want to say violent things that I did or violent things that I thought um, about myself and about others. And when I say violent, I don't mean as in putting my hands on anybody or, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, just violent as in harmful, as in toxic things that I would think about myself, think about others, say to myself, say to others, do to myself, do to others. Again, not in a fighting someone kind of way, but just in a harmful way, whether I knew it, realized it or not. And that's just that social conditioning that we've all been indoctrinated to, whether you believe it or not. And I know that there are some black people that, you know, are kind of like on the outside as far as maybe their levels of success, um, you know, what their, for example, financial worth might be or those kind of things. But I don't care if you are the richest black person in America or one that is lacking, the most lacking in resources, right? Um, we have all been touched by white supremacy. All of us, every single person. And, you know, another reason why I want to talk about this is because I take it very seriously, especially as a mom to um, a young lady. She's not a kid necessarily anymore. But um, I know, like for a fact, that my indoctrination or like my social conditioning has absolutely had a profound impact on my child. And I know that a lot of us are either mothers or um, caregivers or aunties or um, grandmothers, you know, things like that, where we are in a position where we have access to, to young people. And if we are in a place where we are not healing, um, and aware of kind of those areas where we, we need, you know, more, more love, more TLC, more awareness than how I mentioned like that violence before, um, it can definitely happen even, even unintentionally, um, some form of harm to the people that we have been, uh, put in charge of the the littles that we have been, excuse me, put in charge of. Right. So that's another reason why just like, healing, bringing awareness to, to, to where we are, bringing awareness to how we've been conditioned, like all of that is important. And, um, it's not to say that this one podcast episode is going to change the world, (laughs) but one small change 
can have a big impact. So never feel like, you know, you embracing a lifestyle of liberation, a lifestyle of wholeness, a lifestyle of, of, of just loving yourself and accepting yourself and realizing your worth just because you are a human being. Like, never underestimate how powerful that is. Never, never underestimate, like, um, those, those small shifts because all of it matters, right? So let me go ahead and I didn't, I didn't actually put these in order, (laughs) but let me, I I just want to give you a few ways that I have noticed or been aware of for some time that, or where I am actively embracing blackness, like actively centering blackness, um, as opposed to centering whiteness, because as I may have mentioned before, like everything we do, everything we had or have been taught, like all of our experiences, they, they were not built for us. They were not made for us. They were not created for us. We, we were quote unquote inferior. We were, um, we were not even seen as whole humans. Uh, what, what was it? We were seen as, was it three tenths of a human being? I I can't recall, um, the exact percentage, but I, I'm almost positive. It was like three tenths of a human. (sighs) Y'all, it's just a lot. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to make the mood heavy, but I feel like this is such an, such an important conversation. So I'm going to do my best to pace myself and, um, but like I said, this is not necessarily a PC conversation, right? But all in all, I, I'm just doing my best to do what I can to decenter whiteness because the effects have been so immense on my life and everything that I do, how I feel about myself, the moves that I make, um, who I, what, what, what the experiences I have in the world, what I believe I'm worthy of, even coming, even, even when it comes down to like the job you took and how much money you make, right? That is linked to white supremacy. Your health is linked to white supremacy. Where you live is linked to white supremacy. Um, how you feel about yourself is linked to white supremacy. Hustle culture is linked to white supremacy, like everything that we do, the way that we eat, the foods that we eat, like everything is linked to what that that culture of um, just whiteness or white supremacy. And again, speaking from personal experience, I'm not ashamed to admit that, like I mentioned before, everything for me, I, I just, especially when I was a kid, like white was right. That's what it was. And I just did my best to fall in line and not question. And I didn't, I don't even know if I was necessarily aware that I felt that way, but I know that I did. Um, And it's funny because my mother even used to tell me that, what was this, like in the 80s, I'm almost positive she's like, or maybe in the, like the 80s or 90s or whatever, she would just tell me like, you like to watch all these white TV shows. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, damn straight. <laughs> You're right. Because everybody on TV, when I was in the, in the 80s, for the most part, all the black people, they was poor. 
right? They had nothing going on for them. It was just struggle and they and, and um just that kind of thing. It was always some 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 shenanigans, right? But when I would watch white shows, it was just luxury and whiteness and silliness and fun and happiness and um just that kind of thing. So of course and and of course beauty, right? I didn't even talk about the beauty standard and how Obviously, as a little kid, when I would watch TV shows, for example, let's see, what was I watching in the 70s? Um, trying to think really quickly. Some of my favorite shows probably in the 70s and 80s, and this was like before the Cosby show. I was older when the Cosby show came out. But like when I was like a little kid in the 70s or the 80s, I guess, um, I would watch shows like Three's Company, Sanford and Son, um... I think of other shows really quick. Greatest American Hero. Uh, Oh my gosh, these TV shows are escaping me. (laughs) These TV shows are escaping me, y'all. I'm sorry, but again, um, I mean, oh, Good Times. Obviously, that was a show. Uh, Different Strokes. That was a show. Um, Facts of Life. That was a show I used to watch, and I'm sure I watched others. They're just escaping me right now, so my bad. But look at the look at. Look at those, just those shows I, I named, right? Um, oh, and I watched Heart to Heart. I watched Heart to Heart. I used to watch The Love Boat, Gilligan's Island. Okay, it's coming back to me a little bit. <laughs> but I mentioned two shows specifically, um, Good Times and Sanford and Son. I mean, do I need to say anything else about that? We already know. Struggle, 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 Right? Thankfully, I'm, I am thankful that we even had, oh, and the Jeffersons. My bad, y'all. I did watch the Jeffersons. All right. I did watch the Jeffersons. Um, but for the most part, like those other shows that I mentioned, um, most of the black shows were about struggle. Even Different Strokes was like two two little kids um, going to a white family, a white, rich family, and their life going from bad to just beautiful because they were saved by this white man and his family. Right. Um, yeah. So I can I, the, that wasn't the point of the episode. But, yeah, I did think that white was right. And also, you know, just telling my truth here, whenever like if there was a kid, there was a one kid in my school um, who most likely was darker than me. And just I recall like calling that person names. I'm not going to even say the name that I would call her because it's just ridiculous. But I was just like, oh, they're they're from Africa, they're dark-skinned, they're black, or maybe not black, because I consider myself black, so I'll just say African, they're African, you know, and just mocking them, and really just being an asshole, you know, sometimes kids are assholes, right? I was an asshole sometimes, because I just had this inferiority complex, and I had to make someone feel worse than I felt about myself. So embarrassed by that. Um... But when I was a little kid, I just, you know, didn't feel good about myself. I didn't feel like anything was right about me. And so I would, and I've talked about this before, y'all. This ain't nothing new, but I am very embarrassed by it. Um, But I've had to shift my mindset about how I even think about other people. How I think about people, like, for example, if they're... um, Let's say, for example, Nigerian, for example. Or let's say they don't have, like, they're not... They don't have the same abilities body-wise as I do. Um, you know, just, just different characteristics that make us who we are. Like, I just thought that 
just the white, perfect, abled, able-bodied, blonde hair, blue-eyed um, person, or if you were light-skinned, for example, and you had some money, like you just had this proximity to whiteness, and I was just like, oh, this person, you know, they're amazing, right? They're the, they're better than me. They're just so beautiful. That That is how I my brain worked that those were my thoughts and if you were not close to white um it was just like I, I would just treat people like trash I am honestly just mortified <laughs> especially now speaking about the things that I speak about it's just I don't even know you guys it's just yeah, this is definitely my truth. And if I could go back and apologize to those, like, there are two people that definitely stood out. I don't re- I really recall their names. But if I could go back in a time machine and just apologize to them as a probably eight-year-old, nine-year-old, yeah, maybe 10-year-old possibly or 11-year-old, um, I don't, I would say the age range probably like between eight to 11, somewhere in there, Um I definitely would because I was a jerk. I was a jerk and I own that. Um, but again, just that conditioning that white is right, that was a, that was very impactful for me. So all of that to say, <laughs> all of that to say, there are definitely things that I do now and have been doing either as of late or just it's been an ongoing thing Um that is helping me to, in a sense, it's kind of also like you, I'm reparenting myself, if that makes sense. I know that reparenting is like, you know, making sure you go to bed on time, making sure you do certain things. Um, as we are adults who may not have gotten necessarily the instruction or the care or the know-how that we really would have loved to receive now as an adult. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'm thinking about it. I guess I could technically kind of say it's reparenting or a bit of reparenting as well. So, um, but I've definitely been doing these things or some things for the last, it's been some time, I guess, if that makes sense. And um, I lost my train of thought there, y'all. I'm just, in my mind, honestly, I'm just kind of still thinking about just the impact that I've felt for my entire life. Uh, based on this conditioning that we've all received. And the beautiful thing about it is, again, not that this podcast is necessarily going to change the entire world, but if I can even just, you know, give you a peek behind the curtain on some of the things that I am doing or thinking about, and and it, you know, invites room for you to kind of do some thinking and exploring on your own, then it's a win-win situation, right? So, this is, these are in no particular order, by the way. So one of the things that, um, and I think, I'm sure I've shared my hair story before, so I'm not going to go all into it, but my hair and choosing not to straighten it. And I know that there's a big, there's a beef, East Coast, West Coast, Biggie versus Tupac, right? <laughs> in regards to um, natural hair, relaxed hair, straightening it, not straightening it, wearing it, you know, natural, et cetera, et cetera. And by the way, I think next month, October is natural hair month or something along those lines, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong though. But, um, you know, I went natural 
probably like 10 years ago, I would guess, maybe longer than that. Honestly, I don't, I didn't, I don't have an exact date, but, um, I'll say 10 to 15 years ago, just going natural. It was a really great choice for me. And I do not, I haven't straightened my hair. It's been quite some time, maybe even, I don't know, three to five years at least since I've last straightened my hair. And it's taken me some time to get to this point because obviously having, uh, who said bouncing and behaving, behaving hair? I think that was like a Whoopi Goldberg stand-up show that she did where she talked about how she would wear a towel on her head and um, pretend that, you know, pretend that it was her hair. I'm sure I did that too. And maybe you're not in your hair like, yeah, I used to do that when I was a kid. <laughs> but um, because obviously straight hair um, was right. Kinky hair, um, we, we already know the history about kinky hair. And how it was not, and it's, and it's still not, like, they literally just passed the Crown Act, what, was that this year or last year? The Crown Act is something along the lines of how you cannot discriminate against people that wear natural hair. And I'm not even sure if that's, like, a nationwide thing or if it's just in California. Um, yeah, I read about that some time ago, so I can't recall the specifics. But, like, we know that kinky hair is not it, or it wasn't it. I'm speaking from a white perspective, right? Well, even as we were conditioned, even from a black perspective, we know that kinky coily hair like mine and textures that are like, I'm, I'm going to assume my hair texture is like a 4AB, maybe 4A, 4AB, somewhere in there. Um, and if you've seen my hair, you know, it has, it's very coily, but, um, you know, for my 4C sisters or people that say, I'm not even 4C, I'm 4Z or whatever. Like we, we're not the standard when it comes to hair. We're not the standard of beauty when it comes to hair. And there's definitely a conditioning to straighten and relax. And hey, this is not a personal attack. This is not any shade. If you choose to straighten, God, do you, right? Do you. This is not about that necessarily. But what I do want you to consider is the why behind straightening, straightening your hair. Is it just about, you know, just wanting to have a different style and, you know, just whatever. And it has nothing to do with your natural hair. You know what I'm trying to say? Or are you doing it because you're like, well, this is how I am acceptable. This is how I will be deemed beautiful. Right. And there's so many people out there. And listen, I'm going to keep it real with you. Like if you're someone who's saying to yourself right now, um, you know, I love my natural hair, but I straighten it because people in my circle, they don't like it or I won't be accepted for it. Listen, I feel you on that. Because we even have men out there and that don't accept natural hair. It's just a whole thing. So, um, you know, my choice to not straighten it hasn't limited some of my options for dating. I can only assume that it has. I mean, I really don't know. There's no way for me to really say. But, you know, it is definitely my choice to to wear my hair naturally and rock it. And actually, when I did go natural initially, like the big thing, this was back in the day, again, like 10, 15 years ago, when I went natural. And um, for a long while, I really was just hell bent on getting a specific curl pattern, right? And I was so disappointed, so disappointed. Imagine me with this beautiful head of hair that I have on my head, right? <laughs> Being so disappointed because my curl pattern wasn't popping. And I remember I even did like a text lax. And I was like, if I can, oh, so if you don't know what a text lax is, it's when you 
process your hair with a relaxer, but you don't leave it on for a long time. So it loosens up your curl pattern, but you still have a little bit of body to it. You still have a little bit of texture to it, but it's in a smoother and silkier way, if that makes sense. So in other words, you're not perming the hair or relaxing the hair to where it's bone straight. So I text laxed a few times. This is again, you know, maybe 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, um, hoping to have uh, a looser curl, a nicer curl, or bouncier curl versus the coils that God blessed me with. So there was a time even when I did go natural, but I was still hoping for a certain hair texture. I was hoping for a certain te- hair texture, and it took me a long time to get comfortable with the hair that I have, the way God gave it to me, the way it grows out my scalp. And so I even tried to define my hair so much with like the... the um with the gels and things like that, because I wanted to try to have this certain texture. I realized I don't have that texture. We know what textures are popular, and obviously the 4s, you know, 4A, 4B, 4C, those are not the popular textures. I get it, Um, because again, social conditioning, hashtag social conditioning, and centering whiteness, or the proximity to whiteness. Um, But I no longer do that. Do I still use hair on my gel? Absolutely. Shout out to Kinky Curly um, Custard. That's what I've been using for a long time. But now when I do it, it, the reason why I use it is because it helps me to keep my hair like detangled and separated. Right. That is specifically why I use it. And it helps to keep it more moisturized too, honestly, because my hair would be, <laughs> for some reason, my hair, like it be dry like a freaking <laughs> I don't even know it's just so dry for some reason um anyway that's another conversation but just me choosing to um see my my hair is beautiful even when it's not defined even even in its kinky state and actually there was someone that mentioned how Jay-Z needs to do something with his hair I don't I think he has locks or I don't know what he has going on right now but have you seen that I don't even know how recent this is but I was just shaking my head and I told the person, just let let that guy wear his hair the way he wants to. Like, it's not. When, I just I wanted to wanted to tell this person, like, allow him to embrace his uniqueness, allow him to embrace his blackness. But I just didn't didn't even want to have the conversation because it just wasn't worth it. Right. So anyway, my hair choosing not to straighten it. That is my journey. It might look a little differently for you. It may look the same for you. But again, it's really just about bringing more awareness to what you do and why you do it and determining if you have some social conditioning in there that needs to be looked at, right? Right. Um, Another thing I would say is that I do now is doing more of reclaiming my time. Like uh, Maxine Waters said, reclaiming my time and choosing how I use it. Like choosing how I use it, whether it's scheduling um, appointments on my calendar for work um, since I work for myself, whether it's um, choosing not to work at all and just figuring out what works for me. I just never was the type of person that liked to have my time dictated by a nine to five. I mean, let's keep it real. I find nine to five to be exhausting. Honestly, I do. And does that mean I would never, ever work a nine to five again? 
I'm not saying that, you know, sometimes things change, but I'm going to be real and let you know that I find nine to five, that, that construct of work and labor, I find it dehumanizing and I find it absolutely freaking exhausting. Not only do you have to commute, well, at least I'm not sure how many people are still working from home, but typical job, there's a commute involved you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. And keep in mind that some people have these long ass commutes um, since they couldn't afford a house in the city they lived in, right? Um, They have to move way, way out because either they're not earning their worth and or they're not able to get access to the loans that maybe a white person has access to for whatever reason. Um, So they're getting these homes way, way out just so that they can become a homeowner. And so then they have to get on a train or be in the carpool lane for 90 minutes so that they can go to work. And that's just one way. So you have your commute, you have your time away from your family, and you have this hustle mindset culture, um, of this nine to five job where you have to fall in line and it's just tiring. And that the way my brain works, maybe it's just my personality. I don't know, but that ain't it. That that's just not it for me. Um, so just liberation for me or freedom for me looks like being able to claim my time and have more flexibility in my day so that I can do more resting, um, do things that I want to do. Is it If I want to go to lunch with a friend, I can do that. If I want to step away and go take a walk, I can do that. In fact, tomorrow morning, I am going to most likely end up going to the beach before I begin my day and spend an hour or two at the beach because I just want to do that. That for me is liberation. That for me is freedom versus being so caught up in this system of capitalism and hustle and grind and depletion and burnout. Like... I'm just doing more to claim my time. I'm just doing more to to reclaim the time that, you know, is stolen from a lot of us. If I can be honest with you, like just this, the way the system is set up, that that everybody is not built the same and everyone is not meant to do like work a nine to five. But if you don't have a nine to five or you don't fall in line with the system, you're looked at as lazy, you're looked at as not being a team player, you're looked at as, you know, having your head in the clouds or, you know, just being a bum or whatever the case may be, because you don't fall in line with a typical nine to five job. And it's like, where is the diversity allowed here in this type of situation? Like, why do we have these systems in place where everyone just has to fall in line with what whiteness says is is civilized and or what whiteness says the system built on whiteness says is the only appropriate way to exist or to function or to be is to you know have a nine to five get a quote-unquote good job work 40 50 hours a week um no sir no ma'am that's just honestly that's just not the way I envision living my life that is just and the older I get the more I am resistant to to do in that. I don't know what my future is going to look like, honestly, but um, my desire is to never work another nine to five. I want to be like unhirable. <laughs> that is definitely not my term. I heard someone else use that. Like, I want to, I, I don't, I don't ever want to work. I, I'm saying this for now. Anyway, I don't ever want to work like a typical nine to five job again. I just, I don't have the the bandwidth for that. I don't have the, the, um, 
the personality for that. That's just, that's just not who I am. That is not liberating to me. That is not uh, me being authentic and true to myself and working with my own patterns and, and, and moods and thought processes. Like so many people go to work and they're just angry. They're just, just um, sad. They are depressed. They are miserable because they are going to a job that they absolutely hate. I do not want that to be me. Let's go ahead and take a break right here. It's okay to be skeptical and to question things that don't quite sound true. Like the time that I was dating someone that was trying to earn cool points, so told me he liked every single TV show that I did, but then couldn't tell me any of the names of the characters on these shows he claimed to love. Like seriously? If something seems too good to be true, do some digging before you invest your time, energy, or money. This is why when it comes to my health, I use Ritual because they know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our high standards. Their clinically backed essential for women 18 plus multivitamin has high quality traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. These multivitamins are gentle on my stomach and are so easy for me to take. It's crucial that I trust what I'm putting into my body, so I love that Rituals Essential for Women is USP Verified, which is a huge deal. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash self-care. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash self-care for 25% off. Okay, so what do Gail Anderson, Oprah Winfrey, and Big Boy have in common? These are three people in media who back in the day showed me that my dreams were possible. These visionaries paved the way for me to take a huge chance on myself by sharing my voice in the podcasting space. Black representation in media didn't happen by chance. We had to fight for the right to be heard, to be seen, to share our stories, and to take up space. Imagine if you could have some of the power, richness, and depth of the Black experience in one curated space. You can. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, and empowerment, as well as perspective of the culture in real time. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Conversations ranging from Abbott Elementary to mental health to Tracy Ellis Ross, there is no limit to the range you will find on Black Stories, Black Truths. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Okay, let's go ahead. So, um, so yeah, that was number two. Again, these are in no particular order. Um, something else. I'm looking at my post-it note here. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. Let's see. Um, something else that I am definitely doing is seeking more black experiences as I work to decenter whiteness and white supremacy. Just seeking more black experiences. Because again, keep in mind that for a very long time for me, black was bad. Black was not good. Black was not smart. Black was not beautiful. Black was not um, worthy. Insert any word you want here, but black wasn't it. That again is me as a child, right? But um, 
So these days, it's really, I'm, I'm really doing what I can to center blackness. I'm, I'm doing what I can. And I do that by, um, like, for example, I have it on my list to visit black museums. And I was looking at some that are on the West Coast. There's one, uh, obviously, there's uh, one in California. I think there's one in Washington. I think there's one in Oakland. Um there, there are some museums, well, there are black museums all across the world, obviously, or all across the country, but my goal is to see if I can get to the, all the ones that are out here on the West Coast. I'm really looking forward to that. Of course, reading more black literature, uh, watching more black shows. Um, I'm thinking about herbalism right now, actually, and I've been thinking about herbalism for, uh, it's been a good couple of years I'm just a little hesitant, but I really, see, I have this disconnect. I don't even know if this is going to make sense, but I'm going to try my best to explain it. Um, I really want to explore herbalism, and I have been, like, watching YouTube videos and, you know, that kind of thing, and actually, I'm going to be buying some books very soon. One book in particular, what's it called? My Root? Uh, Hold on, I'm going to see if I can grab it really, really quickly. It's called... uh, Cause I was just looking at it earlier too. Like, yep, I want to get that book. <laughs> Hold on, y'all. I'm gonna get it real quick. I know that <laughs> this is not apropos, but I'm gonna do it. So bear with me just a second here. See if I can find it again. There is a book that I want. Come on, computer. I'm typing. Oh, dang it. I might have to. Oh, here it is. Working the roots. It's called Working the Roots. The author's name is Michelle Elizabeth Lee. Um, I really want to get that book because it talks about just traditional medicine um, and just healing and African and just culture. That's basically it, culture. And, I, and apparently there's like stories and, you know, different things like that and practices. So I'm really looking forward to getting that book. Here's a disconnect that I have. And this is this is a struggle I've been having for quite some time. And I think I've talked about this on the podcast. <sighs> Hopefully I say this in a succinctly. But one of the struggles that I have with herbalism is that when I look at books, for example, there's another book, and actually I won't name it um, because I don't want anyone thinking that I'm trying to shade this author, which I'm absolutely not. But... Um, when I look for books by African-American authors that talk about healing and herbalism and just our traditions and things like that, it leans beyond that and it goes into like um, like hoodoo and those kind of things like that. And that's not that's not my lane that that's not my lane. So I am trying my best. It's it's like I'm trying my best to explore my blackness, explore my my culture. Um, but it's a little hard sometimes because when I do that, there's like this I, I bump up against a part of our our culture that I don't necessarily jive with, if that makes sense. And so you know, it, I don't even know if this is making sense, but it, it's hard because I, I, I want to embrace all of my heritage, all of our culture. It's so rich. It's so diverse. But then I, I struggle because 
I, I there are certain parts that I don't that they're just not in alignment with me. They're not in alignment with who I am. Does that make sense? And so that's one of the reasons why I've just kind of been tiptoeing around herbalism, even though I want to learn more about it. I want to explore it. I want to be that chick. There's this black chick. What's her name? Shoot. There, if you you if you're into like herbalism and just uh, foraging and things like that, if you go to YouTube, I cannot remember her name. There's this black chick. She's really funny. She's really cute. She usually wears like a bold lip. I'm seeing like a pink or purple in my mind. Her hair is kind of like wild and curly, and she just she does foraging and she talks a lot about it. Like I love that. I want to embrace more of that. Does that make sense? I want to learn about the land. I want to learn about herbs and and different ways to heal your body and and different foods and combinations and and all of that stuff. I I want to learn. I want to immerse myself in that culture. I want to I want to be the plant mama. I want to be the plant lady. The one that's like, "Oh, baby, go pick me some eucalyptus, some lavender and some pumpkin seeds." <laughs> I'm joking because I don't really know what I'm talking about. Um, and I'm going to put this together and I'm going to take that headache away, baby. In 30 minutes, you ain't going to have no headache. Like, that is who I I really, I'm shifting towards that. But I honestly, I do have a little bit of fear there that I'm trying to work through. Because, again, a lot of times when it does get into, like, herbalism and things like that, it does go um, into lanes that are just, that are not, necessarily for me um so does that make sense I don't know if it did or not but that that's kind of where I am so I want to get into like plant medicine and and natural recipes now honestly I've, I've been in that realm it's been a good while um but now that I've kind of got my roots in it I'm ready to go to the next level so I'm trying to find that balance between just doing that versus also implementing other parts of practices that are not not my lane not for me does that make sense but yeah just immersing myself more and as I work to decenter whiteness and embrace everything black um, and of course supporting black owned businesses and and um, just things like that that that's that is what I am shifting towards. And I know we all support Black-owned businesses, right? So this is nothing new. But I'm just, you know, letting you know, like, I'm just shifting towards that. So a year from now, two years from now, who knows who I will be at that point. But I'm really excited about just exploring that. Really, really excited. Again, as I work to decenter um, just whiteness in my life. Um... Let's see. I thought I had another one here. I'm looking. I'm looking. Um, talked about herbalism. I thought I had one more, y'all. Give me one second. Um, I guess the other thing I can say is just allowing myself to to rest unapologetically, mentally, spiritually, physically, of course. Rest is so important to the... Um, the healing of our bodies, healing of our spirits, right? We have to rest. I feel like labor is it. So, of course, I guess if you think about it, labor is necessary when it comes to, for example, what's what's the Bible verse like or the saying like eating the fruits of your labor, like the, the seeds need to be planted. There's work that needs to be done, but I feel like it can be done 
um, more so in a collective way versus, again, just going back to like working that nine to five and just not really having ownership of your life and just kind of not doing things as a community, right? Um, but there's a difference between labor, I guess, a collective labor where the 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 goal or the mission is more so towards like wholeness and healing and liberation and joy versus labor that is just about capitalism and um I don't know just 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 about things that aren't really community focused or community based or just even even if it is individually like there's a difference between laboring for yourself and your family and laboring just for like a 9 to 5 or 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 laboring for a corporation and once you're done you just feel depleted and exhausted right and not in a good way not in a good way. I know that we're not all put here to do the same things. We're not all put here to um, serve the same people, to do the same type of work, to um, be all exactly the same type of person. We need diversity as a community, obviously, but I don't believe that, you know, having your soul broken by a nine to five is why we were put here. And I hear from a lot of you in the audience and you have told me over the last couple of years um, as I've done the podcast that you resonate with that a lot. Like, you know that your job um, at some point you've worked jobs or a job that has literally just broken your soul, as Beyonce says, right? That has literally sucked you dry, drained you of all your humanity, right? Um for a variety of reasons, for a variety of reasons. And so I don't want to labor to the point where I am exhausted. I don't want to labor to the point where I am depleted. I don't want to labor to the point where I am burnt out, fried, crispy, depressed. Because um, I've already, I've been there and I've done that. I, I, I do not want to do that to my body again. I do not want to do that to my emotional health again. I do not want to do that to my mental health again. I've done that several times. And my body was just talking to me that whole time. But I was just like, but, you know, I have a kid, but I need this money. But, um, you know, I got to survive because I, I was in survival mode for such a long time. But I got to be a good employee. But I got to you know, fall in line, but I gotta, I gotta just, you know, do the quote unquote good thing or the quote unquote right thing and not, not make too many waves. But when I tried to do that, it was just like, (laughs) man, oh man, after a certain point, like my, my, my spirit just started to break through and it broke through in a, in a, it was really honestly an act of rebellion slash depression slash moodiness and slash anger because I just felt so resentful that I had to do it I I I just that type of labor is not for me and I would much prefer excuse me much prefer to utilize the time the way that makes sense to me as well as making proper space for rest making proper space for downtime making proper space for relaxation, 
making proper space for ease, like making proper space for softness, like all of those things, making proper space for joy, making proper space for just making sure that mentally, physically, and emotionally, I'm okay. I'm I'm be- I'm better than okay. These systems that are set in place, they don't care about black people. They don't care about our health. They don't care about our mental health. These systems were not designed for us. So as we are doing our best to fall in line with whiteness and to center whiteness, doesn't matter how close to whiteness you may or may not be. The system will never respect you. The system will never work for you. The system will never support you. The system will never, it'll just, it'll just chew you up, use you up. And when it's done with you, spit you out and you will just be another black person who was let down by a system that, again, was not created for you. A system that has you thinking that inherently you are not worthy. A system that has you believing that you're not smart. A system that has you believing that your health doesn't matter. A system that has you believing that your needs come last. A system that has you believing that you're not smart, you're not good enough, you're not beautiful, you're not pretty, you're less than, your humanity doesn't matter, your experiences don't matter unless you are a, you know, you fall in line with whatever level of whiteness. And again, keep in mind, these systems weren't even made by white women. Because, you know, we're women, obviously, right? But these systems were established by white white men, white Christian men. And I hate to even say that um, because I am a follower of Christ, but that's also something that I um, I struggle with as well because we don't even have time in this podcast, honey, to get into that. So maybe that would be another conversation. But the fact that this country was established or colonized by white Christian men, how does how does Christianity equal slavery slavery how does christianity equal abuse how does christianity equal um toxicity how does christianity equal violence how does christianity equal separation of families how does christianity equal uh enslavement or slavery how does christianity equal um just so many things. So I tell you, y'all, like I, I, I'm just exploring so many things right now and it, and it's all necessary. It's all necessary because like I've asked in other episodes, really kind of like a rhetorical question that isn't necessarily one to be answered just right away, but who am I? Who would I have been had I not experienced all the trauma and toxicity against me thanks to white supremacy which just basically came in and changed everybody it changed everyone who would I have been and so that's what I'm trying to explore and I don't even know if I would have necessarily that answer because I feel like it's kind of like impossible 
to to really know because I've already it's it's already happened. Does that make sense? You can't go back in time and erase it and be like, oh, that's exactly who I would have been. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. So at best, what I can do is just take this time now, as I've been doing, to work to decenter whiteness in in the way that I live my life, in in the way that I feel about myself, in the way that I treat other people, in the way that I look at um, community, in the way that I look at how I you know do the things that I do um, on a day to day basis, like. All of that is something that I'm looking at. Like every single part of my life, that, that, that's what it is. And that for me is what self-care is. is a, that's a big part of self-care. Because I feel like it's impossible to feel whole, to be healthy, to, um, to feel complete, and to honor your humanity unless you look at the things that, some of the things that we talked about today, or if not, all of the things that we talked about today. And I'm sure there are other things that I did not mention, did not talk about, but maybe again, like I said, this episode will give you some ahas for you in your life that you can think about and start to explore as we continue moving down this path of of wellness and again, joy and happiness and abundance and self-worth and self-love. Trust me, again, I know sometimes the work is not easy, but I wanna remind you that you're worth it you you you're you're just worth having your your humanity honored that's basically what it's all about you're worth it and so that's why i wanted wanted to even have this conversation with you today um and hopefully give you some tips or some things to think about as you you know consider what type of effect white supremacy has had on your life and continues to have on all of our lives. So I will leave it at that and say that that is it for this week's episode. Again, I do hope I gave you some food for thought today. I know this episode might not have been uh, our typical key key. Um, It might have felt a little heavy, maybe not as fluffy as some of the other episodes I've had but y'all I I really want to explore these types of themes. I really want to have more conversations like this. I'm not saying that I'm an expert. I'm still learning. Um I I'm you're basically taking this journey with me. I may be a few steps ahead of you. Um in certain areas, but that doesn't mean that I know everything. I don't always have the answer and I don't always have the right answer, right? I can only give to you from the things that I am learning and exploring and um, just about myself, about life, about how I want to show up, how I want to, you know, um, embrace this lifestyle, right? So that, that's why I share with you on the podcast. So that is it for this week's episode. Um, if you want to connect with me, you can always email me at connect at browngirlselfcare.com. Again, that is connect at browngirlselfcare.com. That's it for this week's episode. Have a blessed week and I look forward to seeing you next Monday. Take care. <laughs>